Mama, run! Well, not six weeks after having a baby. Welcome to Therapist in Motion podcast, brought to you by Spooner Physical Therapy. Welcome to Therapists in Motion podcast series. I'm Michelle Babcock, and I'm here today with Larissa Shapps, also from Spooner Physical Therapy, and our awesome guest, Tina Christie. Tina is the Women's and Men's Health Manager at Athletico. She's also the president of Pelvic Solutions, and she is visiting us from Chicago this weekend because she is teaching Female Chain Reaction, a course that she's developed and continues to teach all across the world. Tina is also a fellow of Applied Functional Science through the Gray Institute and is an awesome women's health therapist who uses function to get her patients back to success and back to life. Thanks for being here, Tina. Thank you. All right. Tina, I want to follow up from our last podcast, and we kind of ended with ACOG coming out and redefining the fourth trimester by including physical therapy as a standard of care in postpartum rehab. Um, I know that there are parts of Europe that include physical therapy as part of like insurance benefits after a mom has a baby, or it's really kind of just their structured standard of care. How far do you think we are away from that in the United States? I wish I could say that we were closer, but last year was a huge year for the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology because they actually did redefine what the fourth trimester is. And initially, they defined the fourth trimester as the first six weeks postpartum. We all know, anyone who's had a baby knows that that fourth trimester extends well beyond that. They redefined it to the first 12 weeks postpartum, which I greatly appreciate. I still would like it to be redefined to the first 12 months postpartum. And I would love to see us continue to offer care as a standard of care to our postpartum clients and patients. Because as you said, in many of the European countries, it is a standard of care. Every female that does have a baby will see a physiotherapist for 6 to 12 postpartum visits. And even in the Netherlands, they even have a special nurse that comes to the female's house, not only cares for the mom and the baby, but actually will take care of the kids, prepare meals, clean up. And that is like a standard of care there. How far behind the times are we here in the U.S.? I would love for us to be able to see every postpartum female because, let's face it, everybody who has any major surgery, knee surgery, a hip surgery, a back surgery, they get physical therapy, right, for the most part. A woman has a baby and everybody hands her the baby and says, good luck with that. Yes. And many times, you know, when we look at what the doctors ask at that six-week postpartum visit, they ask about how the baby's feeding. They ask about birth control methods and contraception. They check the cervix for health and for healing. And that's all it really includes. We have to educate the physicians. We have to educate the patients The physicians need to ask the right questions. The patients need to know what questions to ask. No amount of pain should ever be considered normal 
If something even just doesn't feel right, it should be discussed. And in the world of physical therapy, and especially women's health physical therapy, we are the movement experts. We understand female chain reaction biomechanics. We understand the chain reaction biomechanics of pregnancy, labor and delivery, and postpartum. And how are we going to now up the level of that understanding through our entire industry so we can be prepared to provide that care? Because as we said, ACOG provided us with a new definition, and they included physical therapy as part of that definition. So now we need to step up to the plate and take the steps to learn about female biomechanics, pregnancy, postpartum, so we can offer those services at every single one of our clinics. So you mentioned that when a mom goes back to their six-week visit, that if there's anything that's not working, so if they have pain with intercourse, if they're having intercourse by six weeks, or if they are... If they have anything that's not functioning the way it should be, Mm -hmm. then certainly go to physical therapy. But my understanding is actually we should be intervening as a standard of care no matter how they function and even if things are going really well. So before we even get to what's not working, how do you envision the perfect postpartum care and Mm -hmm. where do we come in and what kinds of things do we do right away with moms if you had the perfect scenario. Mm -hmm. So the perfect scenario would be that every postpartum female would be able to walk through our door, be able to have the discussion about what might not be feeling right, and it can happen as early as a couple of weeks postpartum. ACOG did say very clearly that six weeks is too long to wait to address issues and that we should be addressing those issues much sooner and to be able to offer a either week by week or month by month postpartum recovery plan so that that female can return to what she wants to do. I mean, there are simple things, even teaching the mom how to rock the baby three-dimensionally in all different positions, not only for the mom's health, but for the baby's health. Because what does everybody focus on when the baby's born? Everyone focuses on the baby, which rightly so, right? It's important. However, many times we forget that a mother has been born and we need to take care of her just as much as that baby. There are other societies around the world that actually, the reason that six-week period was a standard of care initially was many other cultures say that there needs to be 40 days of healing, which means the mother only takes care of the baby and everyone else takes care of the mother for those 40 days. Wow. That would be amazing. What a difference that would make Mm -hmm. in society as a whole. Well, and even besides pelvic floor care, you know, moms, their bodies have changed tremendously and they're entering into new activities of daily living that they've never done before nursing um carrying a baby on you know in a carrier or in a car seat putting the baby in and out of the car and so we owe it to them to 
help them through all of the changes that they're encountering in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, so to that, who should be making the decision that moms are ready to progress their activity from daily living to other things that moms want to do when after they've had a baby, whether it be walking, running, cycling, um, getting back to other activities, who should be making that decision and how should it go? Well, it would be nice if we had a continuum of care. So that comes with education to the physicians, because as we know, most physicians, and this is in no disrespect to physicians, this is just what they've been taught too, is that at six weeks, if the standard of care is if you feel good, go ahead and do whatever you want to do. Well, I had the perfect example of a female that came in. She was actually two years postpartum. She had had a singleton delivery, and then she had um, three years later, a twin delivery. After that twin delivery, she so wanted to get back to running. She was a marathoner. She was a triathlete. And at six weeks after a twin delivery, she said to her physician, when can I go back to running? When can I start doing things? And he said, as soon as you feel good. What do you think she did? Went back to running. She went home and Put she went on. running. And then a year later, after that time frame, she starts experiencing major dysfunction, pain, incontinence, pelvic organ prolapse. And about close to a year after that, she comes in to see me. She finally was referred to physical therapy. And after that first visit, I wasn't quite sure if she was going to come back because when she came in, she was pissed. She was mad as hell because she was like, how could no one tell me that this is what could happen to my body? And she was given permission. She was given permission. So I did my best. Fortunately, she came back that second visit. And fortunately, she progressed. And a year after that, she was back to running the Chicago Marathon. So we gave her the tools to be able to return to that. But her marriage almost broke up because of what she was going through. Well, and it could have gone differently. It could have. And fortunately, because she was able to get back to herself, not only did her relationship improve, her ability to care for her children continued to improve. Because we all know, Mama's not doing well. The whole family's not doing well. Mm-hmm. Tina, following up on your case that you just shared with us. Um, so thinking of, of our new moms that come out and they're released at six weeks, what if they're having symptoms like incontinence prior to that? How much of that is normal um, because of hormonal changes happening after um, delivery and hormonal changes? And how much of that is normal just symptoms from, you know, the trauma of childbirth? So you asked that question perfectly because here's the key word, normal or common. It's never normal to leak urine. If something is breaking down and you're leaking urine, that means the system has broken down in some format. Is it common? Absolutely. Do we see it a ton in the postpartum population? 
absolutely. However, it should never be considered normal. And we have to do something about it. Because the research even shows us that if you do have postpartum incontinence, the likelihood of you having incontinence several years down the road is significantly higher. So why would we not want to be proactive versus reactive? Um, kind of along those lines, you know, there are some new moms that come in six weeks. They really do not have any, they don't have symptoms, no pain, no incontinence, um, obviously aren't getting sent to physical therapy. What's the risk of those moms years down the road and, you know, turn into their 50s, 60s, and they start to acquire incontinence or start to experience prolapse? Um, is there any risk there, even if they're not symptomatic early on? So, again, another great question, Larissa, because here's something that I want everybody to remember, no matter what setting you are practicing in. Pregnancy is temporary. Postpartum is forever. Once postpartum, you are always going to be postpartum. And do you know how many women I have had sitting in front of me that 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, I ask their history and they all commonly say, you know, this kind of all started around the last child I had. And here's the progression of it. So again, that brings us back to, are we going to be proactive and improve function at the forefront? Or are we going to be reactive and wait for a mess to happen and then try to clean it up. Let's try to take the other approach. Um, you talked about once postpartum, always postpartum. Can you speak to those moms that were prior athletes or runners and do they ever return to that prior level function fully? And when they don't, how do you incorporate that mind and body spirit aspect? So it's super important to, again, bring it back to that whole concept of a mother's being born. And with the right postpartum recovery and restoration, I think there's a really higher percentage that women can return to what they want to do if we give them those tools right at the beginning. That gives them a higher chance of being able to return to everything. Now, depending upon what the patient's function was like prior to becoming pregnant. Do they have a hypermobile system? Did they have any pelvic floor dysfunction during pregnancy? What was the mode of delivery? You know, all of those factors come into play. And with the right tools during pregnancy and with the right tools for postpartum recovery, I think if we really now start to look at that and start to implement it, we will see a higher percentage of women being able to return more fully. So for our orthopedic specialists or orthopedic therapists who aren't necessarily women's health specialists, um, how do you typically see the patients present who might show up in an outpatient clinic mm -hmm. and maybe aren't showing signs of incontinence or pelvic pain necessarily, but there's been a sequela and come to find out they end up 
with mm-hmm. you and you treat the pelvic floor and, you know, return them to function. Um, what are those therapists going to see and what can they look out for? So a number of the goals of the female chain reaction course is to bridge that very gap because many of our orthopedic clinicians will see low back pain, SI joint dysfunction, hip labrum tears, ACLs, ankle sprains. Any of those type of dysfunctions can have a pelvic floor or pelvic core dysfunction component. Do you know how many patients have been sent that had pelvic pain and they ended up having a hip labrum tear? On the flip side of that, how many patients are presenting and being found to have a hip labrum tear, but no one ever asked them about their pelvic floor function. And we come to find that they actually do have dysfunction, but just the right questions weren't being asked. Because many, again, of those women, they come into our clinics, and even if you have on your health history form a little box that says bladder dysfunction, bowel dysfunction, pelvic pain, if they're coming into you for back pain or hip pain or any of those orthopedic issues, Issues, they're not checking that box. Check box right? No, because they don't think it's relevant and they're embarrassed by it or they just don't think it's part of the puzzle. We have to make it clear to our orthopedic clinicians that every patient who walks through the door has what? A pelvis, a pelvic floor. It's part of our core and we have to know at least how it functions. And if we know how it functions, we can better serve our patient with being able to give them an appropriate plan of care and then refer on when needed. Well, and in terms of the fourth trimester and what we sort of started with, I suppose even if a woman won't put that they have bladder dysfunction or bowel dysfunction, if they are checking the box that they are either pregnant or have had children, then that should be a key for our orthopedic clinicians to ask the next question. Yes. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. And yes, Will some clinicians not feel comfortable asking some of those questions on the first visit? Absolutely. But once a rapport has been developed and a relationship has been developed, and even if you're not comfortable outright asking the questions, let's at least have a full questionnaire available Mm -hmm. so that the patient can fill it out. And then maybe discussion can be started after that. And then knowing whether we need to refer on, because it's all about understanding what dysfunction could be present with orthopedic dysfunctions. Tina, what do you think we do as a profession to move the needle on educating our community? And that means community members as well as referring physicians so that we can be in front of these women early on. So it's super important to realize that there's a couple different worlds that we need to exist in in order to make that happen. And yes, the first world is our referral sources and being able to educate them and let them know what we can do for their patients and let them know that if their patients are more successful, obviously that's going to make the physician more successful too. And certainly that comes into play. I have found also that when you really educate the office staff within the physician's office, that that helps significantly because many times they're the ones that actually help write the referrals and guide the patients appropriately. However, the other part of this is educating the public. And if women start demanding this more, they're going to be referred. 
Because even many of the postpartum moms that I see, yes, do we have a strong basis of referrals? Absolutely. But many of them also have to ask for physical therapy. And if we really educate the public and get out to those community events, you go talk to the moms groups, you go talk to the different organizations that are all the running groups that are young moms too, that they want to get back to. And you let them know that here's this special skill set that we have that we can offer you to help improve your quality of life. Who's not going to take us up on that? I mean, they want to get back to doing what they want to do. So it's being able to educate not just the health and medical profession, but the women and the public and letting them know what's available. Because all of us that treat women's health, how many times have we had a patient say, I had no idea this was ever available. Right. So right. our profession needs, <laughs> yeah, our profession needs to do a better job of doing that. And that's getting us out in front of people. Sure. Tina, we kind of opened this podcast with our mama running and not being able to because of some form of pelvic floor dysfunction, whether it be pain or incontinence. What is your criteria when it comes to discharging or releasing your patients to running or CrossFit or any other activity that mm -hmm. they are um, trying to get back into in their daily life? So we go through all of that very thoroughly in the female chain reaction course. But to give you some of those tidbits, it includes, you know, they, I do not want them to have any leaking. I do not want them to have any pain. I don't want them to have any discharge of any sort that would be considered abnormal. So those are some of the basic ones. But then if we look at, again, the world of applied functional science, we now have a means of being able to functionally progress them. And we take the moms through what's called a developmental progression. And when they can master that developmental progression, we then take them through a 3D maps session. And when they can master the 3D maps component of the mobility piece, the toe touch piece, the no toe touch piece, we know that they are closer to being able to now go back to impact. There's a whole jump, jop, hop matrix that we do once they have mastered the developmental progression. So the cool thing is, is we'll be going through that in the female chain reaction. And to be able to speak to it on a podcast, obviously there's a lot of components to it, but Currently, there are no guidelines. It's the only guideline that exists is when you feel good, go ahead. We are basing these guidelines on the science of applied functional science and female chain reaction biomechanics. There's the biggest difference is we know the female body functions differently than the male body, and we need to be able to provide a developmental progression, an impact return, return to impact progression, so that those females can do that effectively. And when you learn the applied functional science model, you're able to offer that to your patients. I wish we could do 10 more podcasts with Tina. <laughs> uh, for those of you listening, um, I do have to give a shout out to Female Chain Reaction. And to learn more from Tina, go on the Gray Institute and take the Female Chain Reaction course. It is not just for women's health specialists, but for any orthopedic clinician and for women's health clinicians, um, you'll learn a ton about how to incorporate real function 
um, using the principles of applied functional science into treating the female patient and the pelvic floor. Thanks so much, Tina, for being here. Thank we you. love having you. Thanks um, for having me. <laughs> if you have any feedback, please email us at therapistsinmotion at spoonerpt.com. Have a great night. <laughs>